This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, September 17th, 2020, and my guest is the awesome Christian DeLooper from Digital Trends. Hi, Christian. How are you? I'm good, Miriam. How are you? I'll, I'll take the awesome. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, you are pretty great. So, you know, don't don't minimize that in any way. Okay. Um, yeah, look, it's a busy week. You've seen the schedule. I just don't even know where to start. Like when I was putting the topics together last night, I was just like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. That's pretty much how I feel every morning when I wake up. It's I don't even know where to start. And then I just get coffee and go back to bed you just weep on top of a cup of coffee i just weep yeah, yeah that's, that's right that's that's uh that's a joke that chris davies made back in the day when oh, we yeah. first met and it's stuck every time we see each other like are you still <laughs> weeping in a cup of coffee yeah wow oh man so let's i mean there's a whole bunch of stuff i want to acknowledge before we start that sony launched the playstation 5 and i love you know i worked in video games for 20 years i'm super excited like i mentioned last week you know the xbox launch we're not going to get into this because it's not mobile and there's so much more to talk about. So, know. you know, I want to acknowledge for the audience that it, it's, it exists. It's a thing. I'm excited about it. I want to acknowledge as well that I'm finding it really hard to not reach into my wallet and pre-order one, but it will probably happen sooner or later. I know. I mean, that's the same with Xbox and the same with everything really right now. There's so much good stuff coming out. So um, starting with, oh, I don't know, all the Apple stuff, because, you know, that's (laughs) always the elephant in the room, right? Let's do it. Yeah. I want to start with the thing that I'm the most excited about. First of all, for the audience, I'm going to put a recap link in the show notes. If you don't know, if you wonder, you know under the ocean or something and uh, you didn't see what was going on because you had no internet, catch up on that link. Basically, we're looking at uh, some Apple Watches, uh, some iPads and some services really is basically it. I'm not going to worry too much about the services. If I'd love to hear what you think about that sports thing that they're doing. But, Fitness plus. But what I really want to hear from you and I want to start with is the iPad Air because I'm stoked about that thing. This is might be the first iPad I buy since the second gen iPad. <laughs> the iPad Air looks awesome. And you know what? I'm I'm in two minds about it. I'm like super excited about it, but I'm also super frustrated about it because I'm literally getting an 11 inch Pro next week. It's on its way. Oh, so no. now I'm kicking myself that I should have maybe ordered an Air. But oh, well, that's beside the point. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's 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 great. It's the first non-pro iPad with the you know, new modern design with the edge-to-edge display. Looks awesome. It's even in a few different colors that you can't get on the Pro. Helps make it look fun. It's the one to get. Like, everything, unless they refresh the Pros at the iPhone event, you know, later in October that they were expecting to, to get the iPhones at. Like, to me, yeah. it's like the perfect storm. The price is still a little, I mean, it's a little high, but for what you get, it's in it for an Apple product. It's pretty amazing. Colors, in-power button, fingerprint sensor, touch ID is back. I like that it's on the uh, power lock button. Uh, You know, I tweeted and said, I wonder if, and I know this is not going to happen for the iPhone 12. It's probably too late now. But I wonder if the iPhone 13s or the future iPhones in some way will get the Touch ID on the uh, power lock key in addition to Face ID simply because we live in a world of pandemic. But it's not just a pandemic. The pandemic is going to go away. It's more like, 
I think the West has learned what Asia has known for years, that covering your face when you're sick is a good idea. Yeah. That uh, And I think with climate change, pollution is going to be worse. We've experienced that in the Bay Area for a few weeks there, where the skies were orange and red, and we could not really breathe if we're outside, so we needed masks. So right. face ID is flawed unless they can somehow make mask face ID work, right? With just the eyes or something. So yeah. I, that's honestly the thing that's got me the most excited. I mean, there are many things. The fact that it looks like an iPad Pro, but it's cheaper. Yeah. The fact that it has USB Type-C has got me super stoked. So Yeah, and supports the Magic Keyboard and Apple Pencil 2 as well, which is awesome. I mean, I know the keyboard is 300 bucks, which is insane, but yeah. it's such a great accessory that I, I have one and I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, look, I think this is fantastic and I'm really excited about it. Um, it's rare that I'm excited about an iPad, but I feel like this is the perfect sweet spot of like all the tech from the Pro the, and especially the new chip, right? It's yep. got the Bionic, the A14 in there, yep. which is uh, not even on any other device, which we expect will be in the iPhones as well. But that's kind of crazy to me like that. Here we're getting an iPad that essentially until they update the Pro is better than the Pro, except for maybe a bit more bezel. Yeah, I, it looks in the images like it has a bit more bezel. I am very curious to see what the A14 Bionic looks like compared to the A12X in the current Pro model because the A12X is quite a bit better than the, the standard A12 Bionic. So it'll be interesting to compare those and see if they do a, a Pro refresh. I don't think we'll get that this year, but a Pro refresh with the, maybe there'll be an A14X or something um, whenever that happens. Yeah, but, no, I, yeah. I, I mean... I think right now, if you haven't bought an iPad in a while and you want to buy an iPad and you can afford it, the Air is it. Like, it, you get all the good things from the Pro. You get yep. that small bezel, relatively speaking. You get, you know, that really good, awesome industrial design, which I really think that this, you know, iPhone 4 industrial design yep. and also it, it inherited into the iPhone 5 and we're, we're supposed to see again on the iPhone 12 and yep. has been on the iPad Pros for a while is the Apple industrial design. Like I think that's like the very yep. brawn, like it's just aesthetically proportion wise is just so appealing. And I don't like the round edges on the current iPhones ever since the 6, right? Yeah, I don't mind them, but I, I'm definitely super stoked about the uh, the supposed new design that we're going to get in the 12. Yeah, so basically, I am stoked about this and I'm really considering buying one, uh, pre-ordering one since it's not shipping till October sometime. Yeah. But, um, and, and then, you know, I can crank up the uh, the big machine with like the little handle, the, the machine of accessories <laughs> by reaching out to all the accessory makers and say, hook me up yep. with your keyboards and pens and cases because oh, I have man. nothing for the iPad and I cannot fathom spending $129 on a pen or as you said, almost $300 on the awesome keyboard case with the trackpad. Magic you case, say that. that was called. Yeah, the Magic Keyboard. It's it's tough, right? Because we get these review units that we can check out and it's just so hard to get a Magic Keyboard review unit. I have to send it back and then be like, now I have to go back to this this other keyboard. I mean, it's a definitely a first world problem, but the Magic Keyboard and the Apple Pencil are so nice that I cannot imagine going to third-party accessories from there. Yeah, 
Yeah. So anything else that stands out for you about this? We talked about the chip, the USB-C, the, the, the design, the, the uh, edge-to-edge almost display, the, the fingerprint. I really still think the fingerprint on the power lock key is, is genius. And I mean, you know, it's been done before. Like those of you listening know that I know this. I've reviewed many Sony, Honor, Xiaomi, and Moto phones with it. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, but it's interesting to see Apple do it because you know it's going to work every time. It's going to be amazing. Right. Yeah, I wonder what I kind of wonder what this means for the future of Apple, um, you know, biometric authentication features. I wonder if if this is them doubling down on saying, you know, face ID is our thing and we'll put fingerprint sensors in the um, the cheaper devices, but we're not going to put both in anything anytime soon. And I also wonder how it's going to be in real world use. I mean, on the power button is cool in portrait mode it might be a little tricky in landscape mode unless i guess if you put tons of fingerprint sensors in there but you know we'll see no i'm excited about it i think um look i think this is this is the one if i mean obviously we should also talk about the fact that the ipad regular got the a12 chip right is it the a12x or the a12 uh that i would have to check it's it's a iterative update for sure um but you know the the entry-level ipad was already pretty excellent value for for what you get and now it's just a little bit better it's still probably the ipad that most people should oh yeah go for. no no absolutely um it's it's a standard a12 in the in the entry okay level so iPad. that's what i thought yeah so you're getting an a12 i think it's a big upgrade considering you know it didn't it had like an older chip in there and if you want i mean 319 is that the price of the entry level ipad uh, that's, three, 329 yeah 329 that's pretty that's still pretty amazing i mean it blows any Android tablet out of the water instantly, oh, by right? Far. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm about to review the uh, Tab S7 Plus. Oh, poor and, you. <laughs> yeah, we'll Sorry. see how that goes. I mean, I, it looks nice, but, you know, Android tablets. I'm just... saying that, but I really have no point of reference because I haven't reviewed an Android tablet in so long. Well, there's not many to review, but, and also the apps just don't support them. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing is Apple Watches, right? So we got an Apple Watch 6, uh, 6 Gen, as expected. Yep. Yep. Uh, big improvements, new S6 chip. Uh, mm-hmm. Most importantly, you can now do uh, blood oxygen measurements. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, blood oxygen monitoring. It's pretty cool. I mean, out of the box, it's going to be maybe a gimmick. Or we'll see. But, you know, down the line, as you know, Apple has done studies with the EKG sensor and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure they'll do the same thing with um, blood oxygen monitor monitoring, like in partnership with whoever, Stanford. or Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. Whoever. And it's actually, I was reading up on it. It's, it can be used as like an indicator for things like sleep apnea, if you use it for sleep tracking and other lung diseases. And it could be pretty interesting to see what they do with it. No, I'm I'm excited. I actually have a oxygen measuring thing on my little honor band that I'm not wearing right oh, cool. now. But yeah. I wear it when I sleep. I have like an honor, I don't know what it is, from last summer. Yeah. And um, blood oxygen monitoring, I have that on there and it works. Like you just, yeah. it takes a second, but you, you can tap it and it tells you and it tells you like a, in, you know, percent. I'm sure it's not like FDA level approved sure. accuracy, but I think it would trigger an alert if it was too low. Yeah. And that's something you can always, uh, you know, benefit from. One time I was uh, really, you know, exercising myself, uh, doing some, uh, construction around the house and uh i was still wearing my band instead of my my watch because usually i wear a samsung watch too and then i sometimes right now i've been wearing the oppo watch um but 
um, when I was wearing my honor band, at one point it popped up a thing saying, your heart rate's been above 110 for the last five minutes. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually like doing a little more strenuous stuff than normal. Sure. Uh, and I'm not the person who exercises the most, as you know. So, no, I was fine. But it was kind of nice to have that, you know, that little pop-up that says, hey, are you okay? Yeah. Um, so that, that's something I expect that Apple will nail because they don't do these things half-hearted, right? And even at the very least, I mean, if it's just about, if it's just collects data, that's data that if you need it down the line, you can send to your doctor, which can be really helpful. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? That a lot of uh, products like this don't have FDA, you know, or don't have data that's accurate enough for the medical world to really take into account. Whereas Apple's worked with a bunch of partners to kind of make that uh, a, a more valid kind of uh, data set, which is kind of cool. But you know what yeah. I'm really the most excited about? What's that? The SE. The, SE? the watch SE. Yeah. That's pretty amazing value. I mean, 279 for a w- Apple Watch with a Series 4 design. I mean, there's there's a few features that are missing. There's no always-on display. There's no um, EKG sensor and no, obviously, blood oxygen monitor. But, like, most people should just get the SE. It has an S5 chip from the Series 5, doesn't it? I think so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't have the always-on display. Okay, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I would have thought that they would have taken that on from the 5 as well. Yeah, it's probably the biggest missing feature for most people. But, I mean, I, I'm still rocking an S, a Series 4 right now, which doesn't have an always-on display. I'm probably going to get the Series 6, but it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it also saves battery for sure. So you, you're not tempted to turn on the always-on, which I'd always do on Android my android connected watches not always right. necessarily wear watches but uh the sometimes the uh the tizen watch that i have the the watch 2 from samsung um yeah. yeah i think it definitely uses up a little more juice to have it always on although i'm a big fan of always on cuz i like my watches to always show the time but but it's not a huge deal and for $279 i mean why not, right? No, it might why be not? the it might be what people need. Actually, it's funny, you know. Theo, my my spouse, was uh, yesterday was like, "Can I get one of those?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> buy one because the price is reasonable, and they've always wanted one." And you know, I know Apple's not going to send me a review unit, so I think I'm going right. to pre-order one today. Oh, not yeah. pre-order order. I think they ship them, right? I think they're shipping now. Yeah, so I need to order yep. it soon so I can re- put a video up for you folks. Yeah. It is also worth considering. I mean, I think they're still selling the Series 3, which is $199, which is also, I mean... That's an amazing there, price, amazing but you do, you start, you're starting to kind of fall off the cliff a bit in terms of functionality, I think. Yeah, in terms of processing power, in terms of updates you're going to get down the line, it's definitely probably worth spending that extra, what, 80 bucks for yeah. the SE at this point. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to, like, generalized but basically to me this is what the apple event was about then there was a whole bunch of services stuff the fact that you can manage all your apple watches from a family account and stuff like that yeah. um uh, for those of you who are into uh, fitness and sports and exercise um they are kind of doing the peloton thing basically is that my yeah. like i'm not into that world so i don't really speak with authority here but is I that is that a good analogy authority either but uh, yeah i guess i haven't really used peloton um but yeah, Fitness Plus is the new, uh, I guess, fitness video subscription service. It's ten bucks a month, a month, sorry, which um, isn't that bad considering if you had a gym membership pre-COVID, you were probably spending thirty or forty bucks a month for it. Right. Um, and you know, it's it's kind of cool based on the videos we've seen in that, like, you you'll see your 
the data that's being collected from your watch on the screen when you're working out and you can do it with your phone and your iPad and your Apple TV and all that kind of stuff. So it seems solid. Probably, I assume most people who subscribe may end up subscribing through Apple One rather than um, straight to Fitness Plus, but yeah. Yeah, so Apple One now includes that too, right? And Apple One is what, like $15 a month? So Apple One includes it if you get the so-called premier tier, which Ah. is $30 a month. Okay. That entry-level $15 a month uh, does not include Fitness Plus. Um, But yeah, if you were going to subscribe anyway, I mean, 30 bucks a month, could end up saving you some money depending on what services you use. Um, if you use, Ar- well, Arcade is in all of them, but if you use Arcade, News Plus and Music and TV Plus and all that kind of stuff, it, yeah. And, and what's the family plan? I know it's $20 or something for uh, the basic one. And then how much is it for the uh, for the more premium bundle that has everything in it for families, do you know? So, so it's $15 for the entry-level bundle. Um, and it's $20 for the, or I think it's 25 actually. I'm just looking this up real quick. It's $25 for the, um, like, family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And then you have to add the $10 a month if you want the sports stuff. Yeah, you know what I lied. It's $20 for the family bundle. And it's $30 if you want to add the sports stuff and if you want um, the extra iCloud storage. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And then the other thing, it's a small thing, but we know it's coming for the iPhones. So the watches come without a USB charging brick in the box. You yep. still get the cable, thankfully, because you kind of need that since it's a, essentially a customized Qi charger. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that that's the Apple Watch story. I don't know. I think the SC stuff is... I love how Apple is still keeping things premium but seems to be really doing a good job at adapting to these crazy economic times we're in right now. I kind of dig it. Yeah, I mean, with the iPhone SE, which came out earlier this year, 400 bucks. I mean, I know it's not the most modern looking phone out there, but if you want performance and you want a phone that's going to last long, which if you're buying a a mid-tier phone, you probably do. Like, that's probably the best value phone out there right now. Yeah, um, Theo just got one, and they're like, oh my god, I can't believe. Like, They're very trepidous because they had the old SE, and they didn't want to yeah. go to a bigger screen. Yeah. And then when they tried it, they're like, they looked at me, and they're like, oh my god, what yeah. just happened? And I was like, uh-huh. You feel the speed, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's not the most obvious thing. They're like, the screen real estate. I'm like, now you <laughs> dig it, huh? Because they yeah. play a lot of games. So imagine yeah. playing games on the original SE. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's hard to get people over that bump. My uh, my girlfriend Maria also just made that jump from the old SE to the new one. It's hard to get people over the bump of the of the bigger, you know, footprint. But I think most people, once they get there, that it's it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, and I made the transition easy for them by like giving them all the Bluetooth devices I could find in the house yeah. because they lost the headphone jack, right? Yeah, and so they're kind of into it. Like, I uh, gave them a clone pair of AirPods, like nice. that some Chen Zen company sent me. I hope it doesn't explode in their face. Yeah, but uh, we'll it seems see. to be working okay so far. Nice. Um, and then, <laughs> then you know, like you know, the camera is also a huge deal. Like. They're yep. like, they haven't really noticed quite yet because I don't think they've used it enough. But the few times they're taking a photo, they're like, oh, this is this is nice. Yeah. But I think it's all that common. I mean, I kind of wish the SE had inherited the iPhone 11 uh, main sensor. Yeah. As is that it didn't have that detune sensor from the 8. 
But I mean, the OIS and the processing from the uh, A13 Bionic is nothing to scoff at, right? No, not at all. I mean, it's it's such a solid mid-tier phone. I mean, in a world with um, mid-tier pixels, it doesn't necessarily compete camera-wise, but in terms of the whole package, it's hard to beat the SE. For sure. Speaking of, I think this is our perfect segue because we talked about in-power button fingerprint sensors. We've talked about mid-tier 400-ish dollar phones that are good, like the iPhone SE 2020 and like the Pixel 4a. I just reviewed, um, well, I'm in the process of writing my review for hot hardware, but I just reviewed essentially, and I'm going to give you my, my thoughts right now, on the Moto One 5G. This is a $445 phone with a Snapdragon 765, quad rear cameras, 90 hertz display. It's uh, kind of amazing on paper for what it is. And uh, 5,000 milliamp hour battery. And it has a fingerprint sensor in the power lock key like the Sony phones. They didn't put it in the Moto logo in the back. And you got that it was a 90 hertz display, but it's also an IPS panel. So that's kind of like, eh, you get some, you lose some, although yeah. it's a good IPS panel. And so what I'm getting to is that that's why they couldn't put the thing under the display, right? But yeah, look, it's a good phone, but Moto's just making too many phones. Like, <laughs> Moto's making that, a lot that's, of phones. That's kind of what my review says at the beginning, and I'm sticking with that. Like I feel like they could have made less phones this year and they would be just fine. In the US alone, they launched like nine phones, if you include the Razer 5G, which is not really quite out yet. Uh, yeah, so I, I feel like we're basically looking at this, this proliferation of Moto phones that are kind of like overlapping in many ways. So here's what you need to know in a nutshell. I told you some of the specs, but the big disappointment about this phone, and it's the case with a lot of what Moto does, is that it's a carrier-only phone. Right now, you can yeah. only get it from AT&T for $445. Of course, it has AT&T 5G sub-6, right? Because it's a Snapdragon 765. Note that it's not the Snapdragon 765G, but the, the regular 765. In fact, it's the first phone I've reviewed with the regular 765. And performance-wise, it's fine. I haven't run the benchmarks yet, so I can't tell you how much slower it is to the uh, other phones I've reviewed with the 765G, like the Velvet and the Nord. But I don't think it's going to be much of a difference at all. And uh, maybe in, in graphics, like in gaming, but that's not really my area of focus. So I think, look, it's for the money, you're getting a lot of phone. But here's the thing, right? Here is the thing. I reviewed the Moto Edge for Geekspin, and that was a, that's a, technically a $700 phone. But when they launched it, they launched it for $500, and now it's back at $500. And at $500, yeah. it's a much better phone. Have you played with the Edge? I have not played with the Edge for long, <laughs> very briefly. Very briefly, right? And it's a much more premium phone. Like, here's the thing, right? The Moto One 5G is a plastic phone, like plastic midframe, plastic back. It's made to look like metal and glass, but it's not. And, you know, you're getting real metal and glass on the Edge. And so the Edge is unlocked, works on AT&T, costs $500, like, when I reviewed it, I said it's too much at 700 It's a great deal at 500 And it's cutting some corners that I wish it wasn't cutting, like it has no OS on the cameras. I'm talking about the Edge right now. So yep. I think 600 would be a reasonable price for the Edge. It would compete nicely with the LG Velvet. But 500 it's a steal. At that point, you know, 445 for this Moto One 5G that's locked to AT&T and is plastic, forget it. Like, 
spend the extra, what is it, $55 and get the Edge for 500 bucks. You get better cameras, although you still know no OIS on either of these phones. And you get a, a similar size, massive 5,000 milliamp hour battery. You get the 765G on the Edge. And, you know, more RAM, because four gigs of RAM is a little low, right? The Moto 1 5G is four gigs. How, why do they do that, Christian? A little four bit. Gigs. I don't know, but... Here's the question I have for you. Is it worth spending that $45 for the other Moto phone? Or should you wait with the rumors about the Pixel 4a well, 5G? I mean, it's hard to beat that. Absolutely. You should wait for the Pixel 4a 5G. But but if you're right now, you're like a Moto fan and you like the, yeah. for example, like, you know, you like their phones and in the Moto Edge has a crazy edge display. It's a 90 hertz. Basically, there's a lot of similarities between these two phones, right? Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering where exactly kind of what the strategy is with Moto with these phones. Because it's like, they're so close to each other. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. Do you, do you, do you see any logic in here on this pricing and everything? Is throw out as many phones as you can and hope and hope to get as many bytes as you can, I guess. But isn't that expensive? Like, didn't HTC die because of that? Yeah, I mean, it is a little expensive, especially given the competition around these mid-tier phones. But yeah, I, it's, it's tough. I don't get it. I, look, I'm not saying it's a bad phone. Like, it's a good phone. But be aware that it's locked to AT&T, only available from them. It's coming to Verizon. It'll be, I think, probably a bit more expensive. And it, yeah. will, have a, it will have millimeter wave, of course. Then it'll be a custom phone. It's right. not coming to Timo because they got the Revel 5G, which is essentially a detuned version of this, yeah. uh, of this Moto 1 5G. It lacks the 90 hertz display and it lacks the dual front-facing cameras. But the, so Timo has their version. So this phone, you can either get this phone and get four gigs of RAM and a plastic build and lock to AT&T, or you can literally spend $55 more, get everything better, unlocked, works on AT&T, yeah. metal and yeah. glass, six gigs of RAM. Instead of the macro, you get a real telephoto, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I would have said if the Edge was still 700, forget it. Like that, yeah. you cannot go wrong with the Moto 1 5G if you're on AT&T. Right. But right. if right now it's a pretty tough sell, mainly because of the RAM, and I know it's tickler for me to say this, but freaking plastic build, guys, come on. <laughs> come on. The Moto G6 two years ago was a $250 phone that you yourself, Moto, made that was yeah. glass and metal. Yeah. How is it that you're now selling a $445 phone that's plastic instead? We're going backwards here. Yeah. But anyway, good things are headphone jack, good things are quad cameras, and the macro is not useless. It's a 5 megapixel with autofocus, which hmm. if you're going to have a macro, don't do what the Nord and OnePlus is generally doing, yeah. or Xiaomi, or oh my God, Anyone Oppo else. is doing all the time. <laughs> Basically putting those token 2 megapixel fixed focus macro cameras in there. So it's a 5 megapixel autofocus, and here's the thing that distinguishes it from the European version of this phone, which is the Moto G 5G Plus and the detuned Revel 5G, is that the macro lens has a ring light around it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's right. And so you know how, if you've ever taken tried to take photos of the macro, especially on a phone, at least assuming the macro is not a crappy 2 megapixel fixed focus macro, <clears throat> OnePlus, Oppo, Xiaomi, um, 
if you've tried, you know that the shadow of your phone is pretty much guaranteed to be in the shot in some way or another. If you're outdoors, particularly and trying to take like a, a flower yeah. or like some kind of insect or something. So this is a ring light. You turn it on. It's optional. You can turn it on and off and boom, you get uniform lighting and it's pretty cool. But then again, you don't have that natural light anymore. So, you know. So, so the macro lens is not fixed focus. No, it's autofocus, which is what I'm saying. It's not only That's five right. megapixels, oh. but it's actually AF. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it's a good phone, but it's kind of hard to explain where this phone fits. If if the Edge didn't exist at $500 right now, or the Edge was 700 and if yeah. this phone was unlocked and had a little more RAM, I would say 100%. Like, this is yeah. an incredible buy. Even 500 would be an incredible buy for this phone. Yeah. But there's a lot of buts. Um, one of the things I really like about this, though, is that this IPS 90 hertz display is a 21 by 9 display. So it's very tall and narrow. So it's actually slightly taller than the the Note 20 Ultra, but much Whoa. narrower. It's like almost an eighth of an inch narrower. A skinny little phone. And you can really hold it well with one hand and use it with one hand if you have bigger hands. But you, you know that you can't use a phone that size normally with a non-21 by 9 aspect ratio because of width. So, you know. I like this trend of like, thinner phones but i i wonder like when that'll be too much <laughs> i mean i think 20 by 9 is a sweet spot uh, as long yeah. as you know this has a 6.7 inch display so i think anything bigger than seven inches is going to make it wide again right yeah yeah so i hope it doesn't go that direction then how does it fit in our pockets especially like it's barely the note is barely fitting in my pockets it's so right. big the note is a giant though but speaking of 21 by 9 phones uh segue here good segue <laughs> there is the xperia 5 mark ii that just launched yeah and uh i need to put the specs in front of me but um that thing is basically everything you loved about the xperia 1 mark ii which you know a lot of reviewers have a lot of things to say i reviewed it for hot hardware the one mark ii so check it out I really liked it. I liked it more than a lot of people did because I'm a photography buff and I like all the manual controls and all that. So yep. if you liked what you read in my Xperia 1 Mark II review, consider uh, the 5 Mark II because it fixes a bunch of things. It's not as big and mm. it has 120 hertz display that's uh, Quad HD instead of a 4K display that's 60 hertz, which to me was the biggest gripe. And honestly, I would never recommend this phone to anyone who's in the US because it doesn't have US 5G. Yeah. So this is for my foreign listeners and readers. If you like <laughs> photography, you like Sony phones, you can afford it. I think this this is just based on the specs alone and my experience with the One Mark II. The Five Mark II should be kind of fixing a lot of the issues of the One Mark II, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems like a solid phone. It's been a while since I've used a Sony phone, but I also wonder how in day-to-day -day use it'll compare with the likes of the OnePlus 8 Pro, which is a little bit more expensive, but um, offers similar specs, maybe offers a cleaner software experience. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, so that's the thing. I like the clean software experience of the Sonys in general. It feels a lot like the Motos, like a bit of added value stuff in there, but it's it's yeah. it feels like pure Android. Same with OnePlus, at least. I know it's changing with Oxygen, uh, the latest yeah. version of Oxygen, which I'm a little bummed about. But um, if you are looking for that, it's it has a headphone jack, you know, it it's just really looks like a sweet phone, frankly. Um, the it's still not you know, Snapdragon 865. They didn't update to the Plus, which was in, which is kind of what maybe I was hoping for because at that price, it's nine hundred forty nine dollars. So it's yeah. a lot of money yeah. for especially for phone that's in five G in the U S. The cameras are straight out of the One Mark II. 
I don't think they're good cameras. It's just that the software experience is a little weird. For example, you have to pretty much turn on HDR because it's not on by default, like okay. stuff like that. And then, you know, yeah. when you zoom, you actually have to select the lens and zoom within that lens. Like you can't zoom from like 0.5 all the way to 9x like you would on a normal phone where it just switches right. lenses. You, you can yeah. basically, you select the ultra wide and you can zoom up to 3x, which brings you to then selecting <laughs> manually, you have to select the main <laughs> lens and you can zoom 3x to which you then, you know, manually select the optical 3x lens and then you can zoom up to 9x, right? But it's 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 very counterintuitive, the user experience. And I'm not even talking about the pro interface. I'm talking about the default interface at this point. By which time the animal that you were trying to capture is Oh yeah, you're, you're, S, you're SOL at that point. You're, you're dead. <laughs> it's a 6.1 inch screen. So this is a compact phone, I mean, to today's standards. So it's going to be pretty narrow at 21 by 9. That's the other thing I want to bring up is that, and they put a big battery in there considering like for Sony, the, I think it's a 4,000 almost so yeah. it's like uh much bigger than the xperia 5 was last year um so even though you're getting a small phone you're not going to hurt on battery life too much of course you do have a 90 uh, not 90 120 hertz display and so that is uh gonna suck some juice but who doesn't want come on who doesn't want 120 hertz display on a phone like that you you want that that's why i knocked the freaking one mark ii because it didn't have 120 hertz display i didn't care about the 4k i wanted the hertz give me the hertz well, yeah, I guess, but you know, at this price, it's a little frustrating that there's a 1080p resolution in there. I mean, I know you don't care about 4K, but I feel like at least 1440p is warranted at $950. Oh, that's interesting. I thought it was quite HD, but you're right. It is 1080p, huh? Yeah. Mm, yeah. And also, no, no, honestly, this, you can't buy this phone in the US. No 5G. And you know yeah, what was sure. really weird? During the briefing, I asked Sony, I was like, seriously, like 5G, come on, like, what the hell? And they're like, yeah, you know, we don't feel 5G <laughs> is worth it in the US yet. I'm like, what? I'm sorry. Like, I know it's not worth it. I agree. In absolute, I agree. But the reality is you cannot sell $1,000 phones and not have 5G that works here. Like, it's more insulting that it does have 5G, but it doesn't work here. Like, that's the thing you have to understand. The phone does have 5G if you travel with it. Right. <laughs> Well, the other thing is like, how long do they expect people to have their phones? If the answer is one year, then and then upgrade to a phone that does support, you know, US 5G networks, then that's one thing. But I don't think most people are buying a phone to use it for one year and then upgrade. Well, in the Sony world, of course, you buy new hardware every year because, you know, you want to, they're a hardware company, right? That's the thing you can really feel. It's like, you know, the car companies, the, the traditional car companies versus Tesla, right? It's like, you yeah. really can feel like they're so... They're walking in molasses, right? Like they're really not understanding what's happening around them, right? Yeah. Like it's just weird, like, ah, oh, and I want to love Sony because, you know, I used to work on PlayStation as a video game developer. I, I worked for Sony. Yep. I do love what some of the things I do. I love the industrial design of these phones. God damn, they're nice phones. But then you start like, you're going like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not going to spend whatever $949 on a freaking non-5G phone in the US. I don't yep. care how good it is. Anyway, that's my little rant for the day. <laughs> that's your third rant for the day. Is it? I uh, probably have more coming. Okay, let's uh, switch to the next phone on the list. We have a lot of stuff, folks. We're doing pretty well, though. We're like managing week. to like squeeze it all. It's only 35 minutes in. <sighs> Are you ready for that marathon, Christian? I'm ready. I'm okay, ready. Okay. What's next? So now it's LG Wing because it's official now. LG we Wing. talked about it last week, but now it's a real thing. Yeah. So I just, I literally got one probably half an hour it's before It's too bad we got this is not call. a video podcast, folks, because uh, Christian yeah, is about to everyone. like tease me with a device I do not have yet. 
Oh, it's blurry in the in the Skype background, but it's kind of weird. Well, it's it's actually really weird, but I I'm in two minds about it. After having used it for literally ten minutes, so take all of this with a grain of salt. I I feel like the the features are kind of cool. Like there's the um the camera virtual gimbal mode, which is kind of interesting, even if it's um not necessarily. Or I, d- I don't know if it's hardware based in terms of the camera specs, but the the problem is LG's software, and the software isn't really there to make for really cool features that you can use this for yet. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the like. There's like a gallery mode when you flip it on the home screen, which is kind of weird. Doesn't doesn't really add that much to the home screen experience, but it's interesting. Cool. Um. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a little while. You know, I'm usually get as a second tier reviewers. What I've noticed with LG that they do a lot is the bigger pubs like you guys, they send you the kind of pre-release, pre-production uh, directly from Korea, from Korea HQ. And then, you know, you get a first volley at it. And then I generally get sent the one once it's carrier approved, you know, like once it mm. becomes... This is coming, by the way, to all the carriers, right? Yeah, so it's actually... It is going to be released first on Verizon. Okay. After which AT&T will, and T-Mobile will get it. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, under the hood, it's solid. I mean, it's still $1,000, which you're you're really paying, you're not paying for specs, you're paying for the, the so-called wing features. But you'll get a 765G, you get 8 gigs of RAM, um, you'll get a full HD plus resolution. Um, but the other thing I noticed when I picked it up is that it's really heavy. It's like, it's 260 grams, which- Whoa. It's 40 grams heavier than the Galaxy S20 Ultra. Right. I mean, that's to be expected. Apparently, they had a really hard time bringing it down in, in weight. They had this video where they showed all the weight reductions that they went down from like <laughs> 300 or something grams to 260. <laughs> like that thing was a chonker. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go, folks. LG Wing. I mean, so it's what? Is it a, it's a 1080p panel, right? Yeah, it is a 1080p panel, which is a little bit annoying. Is it, um, is it high refresh? I think it might be 60 hertz. So the display isn't necessarily the reason to buy the phone, but... No. Um, and then the second screen is 3.9 inches and it's also yeah. 1080p, but 1240 by... It's almost square. Yeah, it's a little baby square display under there. And Snapdragon 765G and it's got... So it, it, uh, the thing that surprised me has two ultrawides in the back. One is in portrait mode and one's in landscape mode, right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I barely used this. I got it this morning. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. You said eight gigs. You're about the RAM. That's good. Two hundred fifty six gigs of storage with micro SD. Four thousand milliamp hour. That's not bad. Like that should last pretty nicely with a Snapdragon seven sixty five G. Yeah, it probably depends how how much you use that second display in there, though. So it's got a sixty four megapixel main camera one f one point eight. Um, that's pixel bin down to sixteen, obviously. It's got a 13 megapixel ultra wide f1.9. Now that's pretty, it's pretty fast lens for an ultra wide. I like that. Yeah. The 13 megapixel ultra wide is the one micron pixel one. There's a 12 megapixel ultra wide, and that one is f2.2, and is 1.4 micron. So that's got big pixels. Yeah. And I believe that if I remember the briefing, one is mounted so that when you are holding it in portrait, you're recording landscape video. Yeah. So, and then the other one is mounted so that when you're using it, the phone in landscape, it records landscape video. So basically one is rotated 90 degrees so that when you have it in T-shape, you know, where you're holding the bottom of the phone and the display is, is basically in its T configuration, you can still see landscape video you're shooting, kind of like a gimbal. So apparently one of these cameras has a gimbal. 
yeah, I guess so. The cameras are on the back. They don't real. They don't rotate with the display. It's just the front display that rotates. Correct. So that's that's why I'm saying because they don't rotate. One of them yeah. is actually rotated 90 degrees, and I think that's the one with the gimbal. Because the idea is that you use the phone bottom part of the phone as a grip. Yeah. And then you got like all the controls for the gimbal part, yeah. and then landscape mode of the screen because it's rotated out, and then the the sensor is in landscape in the back. Yeah. And yeah, apparently it's gimbal mounted, just like the Vivo X50 Pro. Yeah, it's cool. I played with it for a couple seconds. I mean, it's cool. Um, remains to be seen what the actual quality of the camera is, but, um, you know, cool features. Cool. I would have liked to see a telephoto lens. I'm not a huge... I don't... I would use a telephoto more than I use an ultra-wide for sure. Um, but, you know... But that's... LG doesn't seem to be putting telephotos in their phones anymore at all. And they've, they're the ones who started the ultra-wide trend, so yeah. I'm not surprised. And frankly, you know, with this gimbal thing, they're kind of going more for the lifestyle blogger type person. You don't long sure. have to carry a gimbal with you anymore. I get it. I think that's one of the more compelling features of this phone. Yeah. And... Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I love that LG is doing this weird stuff. And you know what you're just yeah. saying about camera quality. LG doesn't, it's never outstanding, but it's never crap either. Like it's sure. solid in the middle, you know, yep. perfectly usable camera performance. So I'm kind of excited about this. I kind of like, I kind of dig it. I know a lot of apps are not going to work properly with this setup because LG always has the software issues. But if I get one to review, I have a feeling I'm going to be more positive about it than I was about the Velvet or the V60, sure. which I've reviewed. So, yeah, this is cool. I like it. It's a weird one, but I'm I'm excited for weird. I'm jealous that you have one. It's clear <laughs> that I'm going to have to wait because of the like last time with the Velvet. But yeah. hey, you know, you guys stay tuned on the show, and I will have something for you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next big piece of news is Oculus Facebook. Uh, the Quest Two is out which yep. is they killed the go right they killed the go i think the go is a couple years old they're replacing the quest with the quest 2 yeah and they killed did they kill one of the rifts they have said that they will be killing the rift line um they're moving completely to wireless headsets and away from uh pc based hardware a lot of people must be pissed about that yeah i i'm sure that's true i mean the quest 2 is a pretty solid upgrade. Um, you know, it's got uh, 50% more pixels per eye and a 90 hertz refresh rate once it gets an update. Um, for In the meantime, it's a 72 hertz refresh rate, which is solid. Um, and yeah, it's based on the Snapdragon XR2 platform, which is, in the case of the Quest 2, mostly just means it'll be a bit smoother and a bit more powerful, able to handle, you know, newer apps and that kind of thing. It seems like a solid update, honestly. I have an original Quest. I don't have the Quest 2 yet. Um, I don't use it all that much, but compared to the original Quest, it seems like a good good update. Yeah, the reviews are pretty good overall. Like, I'm really not, VR is really not my domain, so yeah. I can't speak with authority about whether you should go out and buy this, but it seems the reviews are all pretty positive. There's a few negative reviews out there, but I think that, you know, overall this is a better device than the original quest the big question is and the big you know the big uncertainty the big thing you have to think about is privacy right this is a facebook product right so you know you're getting yourself into some uh you're opening yourself up for some issues there and, and i I don't want to be like mild on this because i think it's totally true right yeah it's absolutely true and not only is this a facebook product but this will be one of the first devices that facebook requires you to log in with your facebook account to use it Wow. 
Yeah. yeah. So you've been warned, folks. Yeah. <laughs> but look, it's exciting. Look, I'm... A lot of people ask me about this, like, why don't you do review VR? Why don't you do VR? Okay, look, in the early days of VR, you needed a room, okay? You needed a PC and a room, and I didn't have the money or the space to do this because I'm not going to buy a PC rig just to play VR games. Like, that's not me, <laughs> okay? I'm a mobile person. Yeah. So I was much more excited when Qualcomm came out with the XR series of chips and started doing, you know, uh, that other companies like Vive, uh, HTC, I mean, and, and Oculus, aka Facebook, were starting to do self, self-contained standalone devices. I'm also not a fan of using your phone and put it in a, in a viewer because you get overheating issues and yeah. the, the quality is not, is not there. So the Quest, the Go, the, I have a Go and I love it. The Quest, and I think I've never played with, but the Quest 2 is obviously in that lineage. This is good news. If you're wondering why I don't really get that excited about it, it's because AR is my thing. Like, I feel that VR is a special case of AR. VR is what happens when you cover your eyes (laughs) in an AR environment, okay? It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean I don't care. It just means to me, like, I'm much more excited. I wear glasses. I'm much more excited about the day where I can have, like, the Tony Stark glasses. Like, I can just put them on and have ambient information displayed on my glasses that I can maybe pause or mute or, you know, whatever level of of ambience and and notification I want. Obviously, I don't want to get too distracted, but that's what I'm waiting for. Once that hits the, you know, the world... I'll be gung-ho and they're 100% and that will become the transition for me from a phone. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to have a phone as well, but I might, you know, it might take a while before it completely replaces the phone or maybe you never will. Look, I'm still using a laptop and I love it and yeah. laptops are not obsolete despite the fact that, you know, iPads are a thing and, and desktops even are obsolete. So, you know, I, I just got rid of my laptop. I'm using an iPad now. There you go. So, so what I'm trying to say is that, you know, like, if you're wondering why I don't cover this VR, VRS, it's just too much. Like I have so much phone stuff to cover and I'm so yeah. much more excited about phone or even doing AR on a phone versus yeah. VR that it's not that I don't care, but it's obviously important enough that I talk about Oculus Quest 2 today. And that's why I mention it. Um, you know, Addy Robertson at The Verge is an incredibly knowledgeable person when it comes to VR. And that's why I, I'm linking to their review because I feel that she has the most balanced take on this and she really knows her stuff so if you want a review from somebody that can really tell you what's going on with vr and with the quest 2 check out the verge and of course check out you know digital trends there's a review there there's a review everywhere check out all the reviews but to me adi is kind of like my star in the sky when it comes to vr mm-hmm. so yeah and then we now have oh man so much stuff there <laughs> is a couple of big news announcements that are important and these are upcoming events that you should know yep. about. And I'm very stoked about the first one. By the way, I, I didn't mention it, but I, I will link to a story that Christian wrote about the iPad Air, basically saying it's, you know, why bother with an iPad Pro when you have an iPad Air, which I completely mm-hmm. agree with. But the reason I'm bringing that up now is because uh, I'm also linking to Christian's story about the Google Pixel 5 event. Google sent us invites. Yep. There's going to be an event on September 30th for the Pixel 5, Pixel 4a 5G and uh, it's super exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I love the 4A, and I think I'm going to love the 4A 5G. Uh, there's a lot of we know a lot of stuff about the five, and maybe in a second you can you can you know expand on that a bit. But I'm not quite sure how I feel about the five because I don't know too much about it, and mostly I'm worried it's going to be too expensive. Um, but I need my wireless charging, so I'm not sure I can do a 
Pixel 4a 5G because I know that won't have it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, pretty much all the rumors about the Pixel 5, we, man, if the rumors are correct, which they have been in previous years related to Pixel devices, we know pretty much everything about the Pixel 5. And honestly, it looks like a solid device. It, it is interesting to see that they will probably be using a Snapdragon 765G instead of the latest 8 series chip, which is at this point the 865 plus you, you um, know that you know that that meme of uh what is it batman hitting rob in the back of the head or whatever yeah. it is uh, anyone who tells me you need a snapdragon 865 on your phone right now that's kind of one i want to tell them because i'm like sure. are you a gamer and they're like well i play like you know casual like tile games i'm like slap because <laughs> honestly look unless you're a hardcore gamer that plays PUBG all day or whatever it is you're playing i don't think you need an 865 you certainly don't need to spend that kind of money on an 865. Every 765 phone I've reviewed, no matter how bad the software, has been a snappy phone and, yeah. and with Android 10. And, of course, there are some that are way better than others. Like the Nord is like running circles around the LG Velvet. But the reality is, does the Nord feel slower than OnePlus 8? Yeah, a little bit, but really, like, once you got, like, high refresh rate display, Android 10, and an optimized software experience, the 765, and specifically the G, is really a no-brainer. And I think you should always go for that first before shooting for an 865 and spending more money because you're never going to use that to its full potential unless you're playing games all the time. Well, yeah, I think you're right. But I also think there's something to be said about longevity and the fact that in three years' time, if you have a higher performance chip, it's going to be able to more easily handle the apps of three years from now than... I mean, let's be honest. The difference between the 765G and the 865 is probably minimal enough to where that won't And that's my point. Like that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, this is the first time that a 700 series chip is pretty much equal to the 800, except for graphics, right? Yeah, So that's right. And that's why I'm saying if you're playing games, it makes sense. But even if you're playing games, like we're talking us maybe... We're talking like half the performance in graphics, but we're not talking about like a deal breaker here, okay? Like you can play perfectly good games on even a Snapdragon 732G, which is the non-5G version of the brand new chip that that uh, Qualcomm launched. That's in the Poco X3 NFC, which I'm testing right now. And right. honestly, it's here's the funny thing. The Poco X3 NFC feels faster to me with a 732G at 120 hertz than the Moto One 5G with a Snapdragon 765 at 90 hertz. And right. it's all down to the software. Right, totally. I, and that's why the Pixel 5 is going to be a great phone because the software is so smooth and so uh, scaled back. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much it costs. I mean, given the lower end chip compared to, you know, previous Pixel phones have used the latest chip. Um, given the fact you know, small details like there's a fingerprint sensor on the back instead of in the display, which some probably prefer, but it's 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 still older technology that um, isn't doesn't cost as much to implement. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they try and bring that price point down a little bit to have it, you know, sell better against the thousand dollar plus phones. Yeah, I tell you what, I'm excited about. I'm excited that if they make the Pixel Four A five G five hundred dollars. Like squarely competing with those 
really trying hard to be $500 5G phones that are yeah. kind of sucky out there. Like, well, comparatively to a Pixel, I want to be clear, because a Pixel camera and all that. Like, if you scale up the 4A experience to a 4A bigger screen 5G phone and scale the price by $150, it's still a better experience than, say, a this Moto 1 5G I just reviewed, right? Right. You got more RAM, you got a better camera. It's plastic too, but it's unapologetically plastic. It's not trying to hide that it's plastic, um, sure. et cetera, right? And, but then the 5 to me should be 600 because the 5 shouldn't really be that much more. The 5 will add water resistance and wireless charging, I presume. Is it going to add metal construction? There's, there's doubts about that right now, right? Yeah, there are doubts. I would be shocked if it was $600, but I hope you're well, right. Well, how about 650 That way you have a $150 spread between all three of them. You don't have to convince me. I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's kind of what I want to see because, look, the 5 can't be more than that. Like it, it has to be very special to be more than that. And right now, knowing what we know, it's not going to be that much more special. Yeah. So, And then I'm also excited that the rumors say that the second camera on the 4A 5G and the 5 is an ultra-wide because I know you like the telephoto more, but... I felt that right now what I missed the most on the 4A was the ultra-wide that I have on some other phones. And ultra-wide with Google's camera software know-how is incredible. I, the other reason I don't think an, a telephoto matters is because the telephoto on the 4 series, not 4A, but the other 4, 4 and 4XL, are is only a 2X. And frankly, with the super zoom feature, whatever the... the yeah, using a handshaking, yeah. yeah, super resolution. I took photos with a 4A. And up to 5X, that blew my freaking mind. So yeah. I, I think like if you're going to try to save costs, right? If you want to and satisfy the most customers, the super res stuff is your telephoto. and then, But you sure. still need an ultra wide. You don't have an ultra wide. You can't fake that. So unless you put a moment lens on there. And yeah. that's kind of why I'm kind of excited about the potential of this being an ultra wide for a change. Yeah. I mean, what I like better than an ultra wide and a telephoto is both. <laughs> and I think with uh, Google's Don't camera camera yeah. features, I think both would be you know uh, appreciated. No, absolutely, and and I I'm a hundred percent on board, and you know, that's why I'm vexed that LG has dropped the telephoto, yeah. and then I'm also annoyed when like the Moto Edge, which we talked about extensively earlier, has a telephoto. It's only a two X. 3X is kind of the minimum you need because when you have a high-res yeah. sensor like a 64 megapixel or 108 megapixel, you can actually do two to three X pretty great with just the main sensor. Like, you don't lose very much. Right. So, and you have a faster lens to start with and, and all kinds of OIS, usually on that main sensor. Like, you, you benefit from things that would cost you money to put in a telephoto. So here's what they did with the Edge that was crazy, you know, is they did put a telephoto, it's a 2X, and both the main sensor and the telephoto don't have OIS. Right. So now you have... Basically, you could have zoomed with that 64 megapixel sensor and gotten the exact same result you're getting out of that 12 megapixel 2x zoom. And because of worse aperture, it's actually probably worse to use the telephoto than to somehow disable it and zoom 2x with the right. 64 megapixel. It's crazy. And then they didn't put OIS on it or on the main sensor. It's like, Moto, please, please, I love you, <laughs> but please learn to make a camera. Because yeah. if anything stumbles on that Moto 1 5G, it's the camera. Once again, you don't know how to make a camera to save your life. It's passable. It's fine. <laughs> it's usable. But when you compare even the LG Velvet compared to it, I know they're not the same category of price, but like 
the velvet has no eyes and stuff. It's it's pretty much missing a bunch of important things on paper. But then the photos he delivers are pretty freaking okay. It's yeah. not pixel, but it's fine. It's usable. So I'm like, Moto, come on, step up your game. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. There's always trade-offs, right? <laughs> yeah, so Pixel, stay tuned for that. We'll have lots more. I'm really looking forward to this because I'm on a OnePlus 8 Pro right now, which I absolutely love, but it's a really big phone. Yeah, it is a big and phone. And it is also about to get oxygen Android 11 or whatever, the Oxygen 11, whatever it's called. Oxygen OS 11, yeah. And uh, I hear all kinds of things that I'm not very happy about. And, you know, I love OnePlus. Like, I, they're very close to my heart. And yeah. I am finally switched to OnePlus 8 Pro because they had wireless charging, which is an essential requirement for me. And yep. I did not like the Pixel 4 because it didn't have, a lot of my apps didn't support the Face ID setup they have. Yeah. And I, I really required that. So I skipped a year with a Pixel and I went and I waited a bit and I went to OnePlus 8 Pro. And now I'm kind of almost feeling like I might go to the Pixel 5. And I hate to say this because maybe a Pixel 5 won't do it for me, but because because maybe the OnePlus 8T will come around and then I'll want that. And I don't know. I, I, I'm torn right now because it's like everything keeps, I mean, and you know, this is like a rhetorical statement, but everything keeps changing on me all the time and I can't make up my <laughs> mind. So can you imagine, listeners, if I can't figure it out for myself how hard it is for you? I, I feel you, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I will say that I did. I do have the Pixel Four, and I really like the experience of using it. Um, it's wonderful, but it didn't meet the requirements I had, which was yeah. the the Face ID not working on a lot of apps was a real deal breaker for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I know this isn't the focus. Pixel Five event will also get a Chromecast and a new Nest Home smart speaker, which will be cool. It's been a while since the the um, the original Google Home. Yeah, the original, but even since the the other. Nest speakers or Google Home speakers at the time have come out. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And then we have another event. It came out. Nobody knows what they are. I mean, we're all scratching our heads. How about another Samsung Unpacked event on September 23rd? Yeah, the third one. Did we need that? No. No. Did we want that? No. Do we know no, what we it don't. is? Probably that special edition Galaxy S20, which is coming to Verizon. Yeah, the one that's been leaked to all What's it hell. called? Founders Edition? Fan Edition? What is fan it? Fan Edition. Yeah, the Galaxy S21 Fan Edition. Um, yeah, we'll probably just be for that. I mean, why, Samsung? <laughs> why? If this doesn't bring some of the improvements seen on the Note 20 Ultra, like, I'm not asking to get the ultra camera system, right? I understand that. But it better be better than an S20. And it's hard to do that. Like the S20 Ultra, I think is a flawed phone. I think the Note 20 Ultra is the one to get. They fixed a lot of the issues that the S20 Ultra had, especially in imaging, that are hardware issues that you couldn't fix in software. And buy the Note 20 Ultra. I've been using it a lot. And, you know, Samsung phones tend to spend a few, maybe a couple of weeks in my pockets during the review period. And I don't, they don't (laughs) stick with me. But man, the Note 20 Ultra is sticking really hard. I'm loving it. Yeah. Oh my God, it's a good phone. It's worth every single penny of that $1,300. And I know you can get it for a lot cheaper than that. So go buy it if you want. If you want the best, just just go. I mean, I would normally have said go buy a OnePlus 8 Pro, but at this point, I'm just like, it's probably easier for you to buy a one, a Note 20 Ultra at this point. So just go get that. But, but that being said, the S20 Plus and the basic baby S20 are phenomenal phones. And I really don't know what they can do with the FE to make that better. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like they'll probably bring the price down a little bit. Um, they'll have a 120 hertz refresh rate in there, which will be nice. Well, it better hopefully, have that. According to rumors anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there might be a few upgrades to the camera. Yeah, it would be great if they brought those Note 20 camera features over to the S20 um, Ultra. But we'll have to see. We'll see. There is some crazy stuff that happened this week. I just want to mention it because I really don't have anything to say about this. Because I, I still, I'm still mulling it over. NVIDIA acquired ARM Holdings for $40 billion. ARM is a company who licenses the architecture for the chips that are used by all the mobile phones, including Apple. And so, I mean, there's two things that ARM like. It's complicated. I'm not want to get into it because we want to wrap up the show. But it's a big deal that NVIDIA, a chip maker that has a lot of GPU know-how, as we all know from last week's or two weeks ago's RTX 3080, which is completely impossible to buy right now. You know, look, the reality is this is a big deal. And what does it mean for the future of ARM GPU licenses and designs? And what does it mean for the future of mobile? ARM was previously had bought, been bought by Docomo, which is a, a NTNT carrier in Japan. And so, you know, that was a weird acquisition back then, but it seems that they sold it to NVIDIA. And so I'm, I think this is okay. Like, But at the same time, it's like, I hate to say this because I'm not, like a PC gamer or whatever, and I don't cover NVIDIA that much, but it seems that everything, a lot of stuff NVIDIA touches that's not their core business, kind yeah. of, they mess up. You know? <laughs> like, like GPUs are their thing and they do that well, but I'm a little apprehensive about this acquisition because it puts a lot of power into one company to control the mobile universe and also because they tend to mess things up when it's not GPUs, so. Yeah, and it's important to keep in mind that it's not just the mobile universe anymore either um you know apple's switching to arm-based max um over the next yeah. two years which the first few expected uh before the end of this year and that seems to be the way that a lot of computing companies might go yeah i mean you know this is a big deal so i, I just i'm just going to put a story uh in the show notes about it you know educate yourselves read about it be aware that this is a thing and i wanted to mention it i don't have a lot of analysis for you other than my kind of gut feeling about it it just happened two days ago so yeah there you go it's a big piece of news i think because it touches on mobile pretty heavily um and that's basically our show so christian do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, like various social handles and publications and things. Yeah, yeah, you can check me out at Digital Trends. Um, I occasionally write for other outlets too, over at you know TechRadar and Reviewed.com, or you can check me out on Twitter at C Delupa, um, which is C D E L O O P E R. Uh, I love your Digital Trends articles, and of course, follow him on Twitter and and all that. It'd be Appreciate cool. it. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Folks, you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, just like the comic book character without the vowels. Uh, if you want to comment on the show and discuss the show with me, Twitter is the place to go. Then Instagram is where you'll find pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones. So if you like photos, I like photography, and I have an Instagram. There is a YouTube channel for the podcast called youtube.com slash podcast. You should subscribe, like, tell your friends, click on the notification icon, comment in the comments on the videos because it's visual content to go along with the podcast. If you like what you're hearing when you want to see some visuals to go along with it, this is your ticket. The YouTube channel is where you'll find some cool unboxings and yep. hands-ons and stuff like that. So check that out 
Um, then, of course, if you happen to listen to the podcast for the first time, you want to subscribe, you can go to mobiletechpodcast.com and then you'll find all the ways to subscribe. There is a million ones, but the most important ones are Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, a bunch of them there. So please subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff, spread the love. If you have the ability to review or rate the podcast in whatever app or platform you're using, please do. It really helps for other people to know whether they should subscribe or not. I would be really grateful if you did. And as you know from the past, I've had some donations through my donation link in the show notes. So please consider donating. This is the only way I can survive and make this podcast happen every week. With donations, there's a link in the show notes. It's a PayPal link. It's pretty straightforward if you feel like you want to be generous and help. If you don't, it's totally fine. But please consider it. Really appreciate those people that have done it and are continuing to do it. And then uh, finally, I want to thank our sponsor. Audible is been with us since, oh man, I think the very beginning almost of the show. And I really want to thank them for being such a long-term sponsor. If you want to support the show and you don't want to make a donation, you can support it by joining Audible. You don't have to stick around, but I think you should check it out because look, no matter what, you know, you helping them helps me, helps the podcast, helps the show. So they're a great partner for that. And as you know, Audible is a great platform for audiobooks. If you love books, like I'm a bit of a bookworm, I like my books. And and uh, sometimes I don't have like the, you know, the time or the energy or whatever. I can't read them. Instead, I have to listen to them. And, and you know, you can only listen to so many podcasts. After a while, it's like you want something you can sink your teeth into, like some like 10 hour long thing. And that's where audiobooks really rule, you you know, it's like reading a book, but having it read to you instead. And if you're like, say, a delivery driver, I always use this example, but it's a good one. You drive for UPS and, you know, you want to listen to something like all day long. This is a great way to go. Audible is your platform of choice. So books read, a lot of them by the authors, tons of selection. Consider it. Join. You get a 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end. It's a pretty good deal. You don't have to stick around if you don't like it or whatever. I hope you try it out if you're not already an Audible subscriber and help the podcast out. And I want to thank Audible again for being with us and being sponsors for a while. Thank you. Thank you. And Christian, thank you. Thank you as well for being on the show again. My pleasure. I appreciate the invite. Wonderful. Thanks for being on. And I'll definitely have you on again soon. We will have another show next week, folks. So stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers, everybody. Peace. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.